Hi again, everyone. Welcome back to the Leverage 10 podcast, where today we will be talking about episode 503, The First Contact Job. I'm your host, Kayla Dobson, and today I'm joined by executive producers and co-creators of Leverage, as always, John Rogers and Chris Downey. And today we're also joined by Aaron Garcia, the Leverage writer's assistant and writer of this episode. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. 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 We've collected your fan questions from Twitter and Facebook, and I also have some of my own. Uh, But first things first, something that everyone on Twitter has been talking about. Santana in 1965 and many others are asking, Hardison and Elliott's Leverage Chase music duet. Can we get a ringtone or an iTunes download or something? Well, I tell you what, if we get a season six, if you make <laughs> enough noise for season six, we'll give you that. We'll give you that ringtone. Wow. I'm, and then Santana in 1965 wanting the ringtone and not Black Magic Woman. That's really. <laughs> that's big. I, 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 that that says a lot. That's, yeah, uh, that will actually be uploaded by the time this podcast airs. It'll be uploaded on the leveragefans.com. Is that the leverage, fan, the leverage site? Yeah. That's great. Enjoy it. Yeah, uh, that was actually interesting. That was uh, that was an accident, right? Yeah, Aaron. Why don't you tell us what what, what was that, that sort of originally about? Um, you know, in a weird way, I always like writing someone singing and uh, and everything I write. And um, the uh, the song just kind of I don't know, it just kind of came to me. I started writing it and uh, working together with Frakes and then uh, Christian and Aldis and. We all just kind of put it together, and they had a fun time doing that. Was, uh, and then Laduca just kind of knocked it out. Oh yeah, Joe Laduca's our composer yeah. on the show. Who, who who can write anything, no matter right. what yeah, challenge exactly. you put to him. The, yeah. the music he put the, to the lyrics was just fantastic. So it was a lot of fun for sure. I have to say, a majority of our fan questions were about the song. <laughs> <laughs> they barely, really, they just blacked out from joy after the song. They don't remember most of the episode. It's going to be on a third or fourth rewatch before it's like, oh, there were aliens also. Okay. They're so desperate to have a leverage musical that they'll yeah, grasp I, at anything. I, you will be denied. We are never doing a leverage musical. Oh. <laughs> Kayla, no. Please. You're a moderator. You have to show some discipline. <laughs> Let's put on a show job. Come yeah. on. You, gotta, you can't fangirl when you're in here. You're, you're on the job. Well, something else a lot of the fans were asking about um, was whose idea was it to name Elliot's alias Willie Riker? And was that a coincidence that Jonathan Frakes directed this one? Uh, you know, yes, it kind of was. Willie Riker was, uh, because I know Frakes was a director for a lot of episodes, so Willie Riker was actually a placeholder name. At first, um, then when uh, Jonathan Frakes signed on and saw it, he actually fell in love with the idea of naming the character Willie Riker. Loved that the episode was called First Contact. Um, aside from giving me the stink eye every once in a while, thinking that I was just a major fanboy, he was, you know, he was oh, completely he, oh, into it. Oh, he doesn't. And, uh, oh, he doesn't love the fanboy. No, of course yeah. he did. <laughs> I love, by the way, that actually on staff you are probably the only, uh, the the least likely Trek fan. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's true. A, if, if you if you, if you <laughs> basically take a sieve and force all the male writers of of uh, leverage through it, and the sieve is designed to catch the person who has actually played sports for any length of time. <laughs> Only Aaron and Josh Share will be trapped. Yeah. The rest of us will. Like I ran cross country, but no, like ball <laughs> scores goals. Only Aaron and Josh. And Josh probably still knows more about me, uh, more about Star Trek than I do. Yes, so. exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> We actually have another Jonathan Frakes question. Uh, Jim Taylor asks, is that Jonathan Frakes making a blurred cameo in the background when Nate's selling the space on the next satellite? And this episode was chock full of hidden goodies, so we're just curious. Is this, this was just yet another treat for the fans. You know, um, 
I actually had to go back and watch it to see for myself because I didn't know, and, and there was someone back there that looked like him, but unfortunately it wasn't him. His, uh, his only cameo comes in plastic form on a, <laughs> on a desk in uh, um, Canik's uh, little office. Oh, yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's that a great was, little uh, Easter egg That was right about there. the one cameo he did there. So Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> Our next question comes from the Bacardi Queen, who asks, will we see more of Elliot grifting this year? She probably asks a little more slurred. <laughs> She's the Bacardi Queen. It's like, will we, will we see more of Elliot grifting this year? I think that's the Cuervo Princess. That's the Cuervo movie. Princess. Um, uh, he's got a couple grifts. Yeah. Yeah, he's good at low-status grifts. Elliot, uh, that's kind of Elliot's superpower. He's much better at low-status grifts, I think, even than, than Gina is, or than Sophie is. And, and it's something that we kind of hinted at early in the, in the series. Uh, and um, everybody kind of trying on different hats. It's kind of a thing you'll see this year. It'll be interesting. This interesting. is one of the, uh, the few, like, sustained comedic ones he's done. Yes. When, he, when he does grifts, they tend to be the more kind of earnest tap-out yeah. job. And um, the, he'd been wanting to do this character, uh, which is based on his friend, uh, for a long time. And, uh, I mean, what was it like being on set when he was doing it? You know, it was a blast. I mean, he had the entire cast and crew laughing the, the whole time. I remember early he, uh, early on in filming, he came up to me and was just uh, so happy that he was able to do this character. He's been wanting to do it for a while. Everyone on set already knew this character because he just. Oh, we've heard him do it. Yeah, he's time drunk. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, it was fun seeing him channel that and really get into character. He uh, he really dug it, and the cast and crew loved it, and I think you guys liked it too. So. Well, most of our most of our fans were all of them were super excited about this episode. All the little the the, the cameos and the the references. Yeah. Everybody was really excited about it, and we actually have another character question. ACDC 1966, that's a hard one, asks, Nate lost sight of what mattered to the client and went ahead with his plan that kind of failed. Uh, what, what would he have done if the setup to drive Canic crazy didn't really work out? Did he have something else up his sleeve? He always has something else up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. He always has something else up his sleeve. But, you know, this was, uh, this was a pretty great plan. And uh, it was the plan that was in the second half of the show, so it was really fated to work. It was just... <laughs> it was, yeah, from, it's funny how it works out it's that a meta, From a metastructural sense. But we always like to actually imagine, and, and, and you'll see it when you start the novels start coming out, actually. The novels always have like two or three little background cons or things that don't quite work or kind of information they have to get. I mean, a lot of it is we, we always think that if you were to show everything in the con, it would take an hour. But we just show you the interesting bits. So, and a lot of times that, that is a very, and sometimes when we shoot the episode, we get the hour. So we uh, spend a lot of time trying to decide what the interesting bits are for you uh, in the 42 minutes. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess in to fill out a novel, you would yeah. kind of mm-hmm. tend Absolutely. to have to see more. Yeah, and the stuff. first novel uh, is by Matt Forbeck called The Con Job. I think that comes out this fall. And right after that, um, Keith DeCandido's The Zoo Job comes out right after that. And I was delighted The Zoo Job actually, the way they get into it, they tie into one of our previous victims. Oh, that's great. In like a really nice way. Well, another thing that a lot of our fans have been talking about on Twitter, on Facebook, um, has really been season six. As we know, do we get a season six? And this was one of the more um, 
I think that a lot of our fans need to know about this question. Mouse Blues asks, this may sound like a silly question, but I actually want to know, how do you count how many people watch an episode? You know, renewal a lot, a lot of times it's, depends on ratings. It's graft. It's just you bribe the Nielsen people. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, uh, there is, you have Nielsen boxes still, which is insane. Um, you also get uh, the Nielsen boxes are tied to those people's DVRs too, so you get the different levels of ratings. They do get some information from the DVR companies themselves. Um, they get approximations deep, deep, deep in the, you know that that chunk of stuff you scroll through when you buy your DVR and it goes, do you agree to this? Deep, deep, deep in that is your your viewing can be anonymously sampled, so yeah. some of that information goes in. Um, but but it's it's the Nielsen it's the Nielsen rating system. It is you know if you if you uh, don't have a box, uh, God you know God bless you for your your help, but. Uh, yeah. And, if, and if you want to keep track of them, uh, TV by the Numbers is a good website. Um, they have daily cable ratings. Um, ours tend to be, the, the cable ratings tend to be later in the day after the episode aired. Um, but you can follow the leverage ratings and they have all the basic cable the, shows. The other thing with them is they tend to do the 18 to 49 demo, which is actually useless for cable. Uh, cable doesn't do the 18 to 49 demo, it does 25 to 54. Um, which is that's the that's the ad range that cable people find valuable. Uh, Eighteen forty nine is n not useful to them. So it's it you know every, look every metric is different. There's also something called the C five, which is uh, how many people fast forward through the commercials. Mm -hmm. And we have a we have a, a really great C five uh, value apparently because we're so complicated. People don't fast forward. They just kind of put, <laughs> well, like wait if he went there and, ah too late you watched the commercial and yeah. I know now suddenly I want to buy. Uh... Zimbalta. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? So it's it's a it is a complicated, useless mess with really bad uh, data, and pretty much everyone agrees it's 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 cutting edge technology for 1975, and no one can figure out a different thing to replace it with. Huh. So you're saying is all our fans should get Nielsen boxes, or, or st steal them, or find a <laughs> Nielsen family and threaten them? But not really, folks. <laughs> I'm plainly within the bounds of satire. Come on. <laughs> Like I said, we got a lot. Do it. <laughs> we got a lot of questions like that one, a lot asking about season six. But I do want to remind our fans that while we're waiting to hear if leverage gets picked up or renewed, you can always get your leverage fix by downloading your favorite episodes, past and present, right from iTunes. Uh, you know, there's our plug. So back to talking about this specific episode. Uh, we have a couple questions concerning the romances on this show. Kimberly asks, so glad to see this much progress with the Parker and Hardison romance. And a lot of our Twitter fans are calling them partisan. I'm not sure if you guys I'm know I'm so this. sad because <laughs> back when I when I proposed the slash names on my blog, it was like Pardickerson. And they've dropped, <laughs> they've dropped the, the K out. And partisan's just it's partisan. le, it's less interesting. But okay, all right, fine. We'll see if we can plant the Parker. Yeah. Parker also would have worked, but Parker, Parker is par good. Partisan's Parker, good. Partisan. Partisan. Sounds and like, the fans have spoken. Yeah. It's like they're taking a stand on something. Yeah, they are. They're, partisan. Yeah. <laughs> So can we expect to see more dates in the upcoming episode? Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. We never want to make a date be the right. point of the episode. But it's always like, this is a couple that's involved and they have an interesting job yeah. and they talk about their relationship. You, you, you might have the datiest episode, actually. Yeah, I would I say so. that's, the, that's the, probably the only free sort of date moment I think maybe we have and, this year. And, and it was a lot of fun because it actually came from um, just trying to get another E.T. reference in there and, and mm -hmm. the I'll be right here thing. <laughs> And, um, you know, one of the things actually that's nice about filming in Portland is that sometimes the rain forces you inside and it gives you a great moment. That uh, scene was originally written to be outside with them looking up at the sky. Um, but with the rain and the difficulty of filming outside sometimes, 
we went inside and used one of Hardison's gadgets, and I think it turned out much better than it would have looked outside. Yeah, it's a really sweet so. scene. Yeah. I'm kind of following up on that. Luca asks, Hardison and Parker are settled, and Nate and Sophie seem okay. So when will Elliot find true love? Elliot's true love is justice. <laughs> <laughs> he warms his head on a pillow of vengeance every night. I'm more worried because Luca lives on the second floor, and, <laughs> and I really want to make sure that he knows that there's some place he can go. I always thought from Luca his... was a girl. No, it's no, okay, Luca. Luca lives on the right second, second floor. Second, right and... second floor. It's a woman singing, so that makes it is. But uh, is there ever a definite male pronoun? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's true. Yeah, but uh, hmm. I worry about him. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good that the show has brought some sort of respite to Luca. <laughs> Dreaming that someday <laughs> Elliot will come to the second floor and say, Second floor right. and save him from his abusive family. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, sorry for laughing your pain, Luca. Luca, um, you know what? Elliot goes on a couple dates this year. Elliot, uh, Elliot, I always imagine Elliot like my Uncle Danny. Like my Uncle Danny in my life. <laughs> Tell us about your Uncle Danny in my life. He would always, like, you know, have a semi serious, ridiculously attractive girlfriend from some other exotic part of his life. Michael, Michael Danny was a guy who, like, Dove with Bob Ballard from Noah, and you know, oh, nice. lived this life of adventure. And so, Uncle Danny, uh, Uncle Danny, at one point, swam through the cooling system of nuclear power plants, and uh, he actually, uh, he actually was served as like the um, the wildlife or fisheries expert on an Italian fishing vessel for like six months. Uh, and uh, that's actually why we hired you. I, I want to tell you something. You're you're my niece. <laughs> <laughs> This is a big moment for all of us. You have to say, Apollo is the other person who does the podcast. She never talks, and it's been kind of my goal to get her to crack at least once. That's why she was so drawn to the sea. Yeah, she, uh, yeah. It's right. So anyway, and, and so so in my head, Elliot like is is like that. It's like there's always a girl. He's always very sweet to her. He's not a, he's not a player. He's a gentleman, but you know he leads a life of adventure, and hence it is very hard for him to settle down. So and then you know when he's when he's not doing the leverage thing he's doing other stuff and we always say everyone has lives outside the the, 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 the crew and Elliot in particular is out like you know fighting crime and aliens and yeah. you know stuff like that. It's like Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, covered when he was at uh, school. Right. right? Exactly. Well, so the Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man was exactly. work oriented. Exactly. So. <laughs> Elliot's doing global frequency on his months off, That's and then right. yeah, he's, he's busy. He's a busy dude. He's busy. Well, and kind of moving on, I have some questions specifically for Aaron. I mean, the two of you can chime in, but they're mainly for Aaron. Uh, so, Aaron, how did you balance your writer's assistant duties with your writer duties? You know, being on location, location scouting. How did you do both at the same time? Because he has the best bosses on earth. <laughs> that is very true. They, they let me know that there's actually a 25th hour in the day. Um, but, uh, you know... You lose sleep, but at the same time, you're too ramped up and too excited to worry about that sleep. And, you know, there's some amazing people on the staff, uh, producer-level people, who will do things for you. Um, you know, I didn't get to go out for the location scout, but someone else went up and found some amazing things that made it, that you know, that was uh, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff went up Jeff for Thorne, the location yeah. scout. And he, uh, he came up with me on set to help me, you know, if I had any questions about what it's like to be on set. And, um... You know, and like you said, just uh, you, you learn to balance, and, and you're just too ramped up and too excited to really worry about sleep. So you just do the job and, and enjoy it at the same time. Also, the writer's assistant is a very, is a very room 
based gigs. So when Aaron was up out of town, we actually had somebody from uh, next door over in Sweet A substitute in for that. Yeah. Um, but once once you're in production, it's more of a pre-production job than a production-oriented job, really. Yeah. So uh, yeah, once and, and once production was kind of up and running, there was an, enough of a gap that Aaron could get up there. Yeah. There's a lot of great people filling in and helping me out, so I definitely appreciate that. <laughs> well, and for all the striving writers out there, all the lowly assistants, how were you able to make the jump from writer's assistant to actually writing an episode? Um, hmm. The real, the real reason. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mention the envelope. I know. I know. Well, um. I'll tell you what happened is it, 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 he, he made the jump the way almost every good writer's assistant did. The same way that Rebecca Kirsch made the jump um, and got her first episodes produced, and then eventually became a staff writer. Which is, uh, you pay attention, you figure out what the show sounds like and what kind of plots work, and then you kind of go to the most receptive producer that you can find on the staff. Uh, you know, either in this case it happened to be Chris with Aaron. It was near the end of that last year uh, when I was up in, in Portland. And he said, I have an idea for a show. This is the idea for the show. Chris thought it was good. Chris brought it in. And then, you know, you just, you, you learn, uh, you only get like your one or two decent shots at pitching uh, before you are written off as, okay, good writer's assistant, move along. So, you know, pick your pick your battle. And uh, Aaron had done a lot of thought, a lot of work into it. Um, uh, came back this year with a really good pitch. Uh, the room got really excited about it because there was a lot of cool research around it. Uh, for a, a moment, there was like even the satellite heist because we found out satellites yeah. are actually <laughs> shipped in 18-wheelers oh, like to the right. launch site. And, right. and, yeah, that was one of my favorite things. Stuck. We never used it, but you know, just it, it was uh, once it was a viable episode and made a lot of sense and seemed fun, the room dove in and helped out. And it was, it was good, but that that's... You study a show. I mean, you know, the nice thing you have is you're inside, and so you can study a show, and you have more access to someone for a soft pitch. Uh, but it's the same way that our outside writers come in. They study the show. They come in with the pitch, and if it, it should fit the show. And, it, you know, and it was uh, – Aaron did a lot of drafts of the outline and got notes. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty lengthy process uh, was, you know, yeah. when somebody's going to do their first script on the show. You know, we don't just throw anyone into the deep end. It's – you know, uh, you know, and every time got notes, wrote another outline, and yeah. uh, you know, until we got the script to where it eventually was going to go in. I think the back half of the season, and we ended up moving it up yeah, moving to it the up. Uh, second spot production-wise. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. It was an amazing learning experience, and you know, everyone uh, in the writers' rooms uh, very very generous in uh, their time, um, giving it to me and, and allowing uh, me to make some mistakes and. You know, letting me know that it was okay and giving me chances to kind of fix those. And Wait, did you make mistakes? I was not around for this. <laughs> I would have not And let uh, that, that not letting John know about my mistakes. It was great. It was, uh, really? it was um, but yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better. John really said it, you know, exactly as it happened, really. I was just going to say I cried in the corner until they get me. <laughs> I've seen that. It doesn't work. That's not the best advice. Yeah. Well, on, on Twitter and Facebook, like I said, this is really turning out to be one of the fan favorites so far. So It's, it's weird. I think the comedy ones fall... Uh, I don't ever know if something's a fan favorite. I think, though, the comedy ones, for the people who like the comedy ones, they really pop because people don't expect it to be that funny. Uh, and we're not a comedy show. We're kind of a, 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 light, a light one hour. So, you know, it, it's... Uh, 
it's always nice to see those episodes. You know, very few things hit everybody universally, but the comedy ones really seem to land well when they land. Well, the comedy on this show comes out of the characters, mm -hmm. yeah. and the people who love the characters are going to love the comedy ones. I mean, the you know, dramatic ones tend to maybe there's one character that's really dug in on it, and yeah. then you know, it, it all comes out of the situation. But the comedy ones, it really relies so much. I mean, everybody loves the uh, the two of them singing in the car. I mean, that's just that, that was just fun. That's just out of that's their character. That that was actually kind of a, a fun thing too, because originally um, I wanted Elliot to be upset the entire time, trying to turn it off, turn right. it off. And I know that a lot of fans said that they thought that that was going to happen, but Christian came up to me and said, "You know, hey, we've been working together for four or five years. I think we're kind of a little bit more buddies now, you know. So I, I would like to kind of chime in and, and sing as well. And I, I really think that." sold that whole bit and, and really just made it uh, you know a lot of fun so it's, it's kind of the nature of season five is we've, we've beat these characters up and beat these relationships up now they're friends now they work together and you know there are shows where it's like the the horrible uh whedon death hammer would descend from the sky <laughs> and destroy your joy but it's like you know we're kind of emotionally invested in these characters too like you know we've never written a whole year where they just dated and everyone was kind of okay and it's not low drama. It's there's drama in the story. It's just yeah, you know, we're not we're not beating the hell out of the characters as badly as we usually do uh, until the end of the season, in which case we beat the hell out of them mercilessly. <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, but uh, we're kind of spoilers. Yeah, us. but we're kind of we kind of enjoying this year being able to write. Ah, look, that's a nice sweet moment without a lot of high drama. It's just two people. There is a different challenge. It's not easier. There is a different challenge to writing relationships that are working between two different sets of people. Uh, you know, and you're, you, a lot of times we talk about um, like the younger writers in the room having a different perspective on those relationships than the older writers in the room. You know, I've been married 20 years. Chris has been married 15, how long? 15. 15. You know, and some we have some non-married writers or some writers have been married like two or three years. Mm -hmm. So it's, everyone kind of comes in with their own freight and that's kind of the fun of the room now is like, no, this is an old married person's conversation. <laughs> trust me. While like the Parker and Hardison stuff is trying to remember what that kind of first sweet, goofy thing you did was. Mm -hmm. Well, that about wraps us up on this episode. But before we close, I do want to give a shout out to our fan podcast, The Long Con. So everybody, is the Long Con still on? The Long Con. Oh, is that's on. lovely. Yeah. That's no, great. They're going strong, and I just want all of our fans that are listening to this podcast really should check them out on iTunes. They the hated Con. season two. <laughs> I, I do have one thing because I've noticed on the the blogs that people are arguing whether Marvin was named after Marvin the Martian from Looney Tunes or Marvin the Sad Robot from Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> And I wanted to set it clear and say that, yes, one of you is right. <laughs> nice. nice. Oh, you're going to do well at this. You're, you're good. You might have to take over the blog. Well, that's it. But tune in next week when we discuss episode 504, The French Connection Job. And don't forget to send us your questions about next week's episode, either on the Leverage Facebook page or on Twitter with hashtag Leverage10Podcast. Thanks to our guests for being here, and thanks for tuning in, Grifters. Don't forget, Grifters, you can download the new Season 5 episodes from iTunes after they air, as well as all your old favorites. And be sure to check out the new Leverage Series Companion eBook, available for download on the iTunes Store.